Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good morning. So good to see all of you. Appreciate you coming out today. Uh, we've got a great weekend for you. You're going to be glad you're here. You know, as you drove in today, you may have noticed, uh, you know, we've got some cones out front out here, and we've got, we actually uh, are replacing the concrete in the two east entrances there. The concrete deteriorated, and so we're trying to bring that up to our high standard. And uh, we're also doing some work uh, on the uh, west side of the building here. Uh, we used to have the downspouts come down, and they would pour out onto the parking lot. And uh, we've actually put those into some pipes underground, so it goes back here to our uh, drainage area. And uh, we're doing the same thing in between the buildings, and so we're doing a lot of that work. Should all be done this week. Next week you'll come back, and everything will be back in fine shape. But, you know, I, if I've learned anything in my life, it's the value of good drainage. <laughs> and uh, so I'm excited that we are working on that. I want to thank you for coming back. This is our... Uh, uh, seventh message in our series called The Life of Christ in You. Pastor Ryland has done a great job on this. I have really enjoyed uh, his session on Jesus' baptism and your baptism, Jesus' temptation and your temptation, uh, Jesus' suffering and your suffering. For me personally, that was a life-changing message. Uh, for uh, Jesus' death and your death, Jesus' resurrection, your resurrection, uh, it's been an awesome series. This week, we're looking at Jesus' ministry and your ministry. And you may wonder why we save this topic uh, for later in this series, because if you think about the life of Christ, his ministry took place before his death and resurrection. And so you might think, well, why, why are we doing the ministry one after the death and resurrection messages? And uh, the, the truth is, is that it's when we understand uh, Jesus' death, our death, his resurrection, our resurrection, that's when we begin to understand Christ's ministry and our ministry uh, here. Uh, it's only in light of death and resurrection that we can answer the question, what does God want me to do with my life here on earth? Uh, and that answer is found for us in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Uh, I, I love this out of the New Jerusalem Bible. Uh, it says, we are God's work of art. And the actual Greek word there for work of art is the Greek word poema. And that's where we get our English word poem. And so it means we are God's work of art. We are God's creative composition. We, we are God's uh, masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the good works which God has already designated to make up our way of life. Do you know that God planned what he wanted you to do with your life before he ever created you. God had a master plan of the good works that he wanted to make up your way of life. And those are your ministry. They're your acts of service to God, your acts of service uh, to other people. Jesus put it like this in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. I mean, if there's a Bible verse that ought to take your breath away, it's that one. If you believe in me, you're gonna do the same works 
that I did, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus says, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go be with the Father. Christ is in heaven, but the body of Christ, the believers, remain here. And we remain here to do the same works, even greater works, than Jesus Christ did when he was here. And you may say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Uh, are you telling me uh, that I'm going to do the same works that Jesus did? Or, I mean, there's no way I'm going to do greater works than Jesus did. But what are the things that Jesus did? What describes his ministry? Listen to how Jesus describes his ministry in Luke chapter 4. It's the first public sermon uh, that Jesus gave. He gave it in his hometown of Nazareth. And in that sermon, he just lays out the agenda uh, for his ministry, for what he's going to do. And God wants you to do the same things that Jesus said he was going to do. What Christ did in his body here on earth, God wants the body of Christ, the church, to do those same things. As a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to do what Jesus did. So what, what is it? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit is crucial in all of this. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus, the Spirit, and your spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we're going to look at these things in, in detail. Look at uh, who Jesus came to help, how he came to help them, because when we see that, we're going to see what he wants you and me to do uh, so that we can have a Christ-like ministry. So number one, first thing Jesus came to do. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. Now, who are the poor? Well, there are three different kinds of poverty in the world. And the first one that we usually think of is material poverty. Did you know that over half the world's population, be three and a half billion people, live on less than $2 a day? Over a billion people live on less than a dollar a day. Over a billion people wake up every day and wonder, am I going to be able to scrape together enough food to keep myself and my family alive? That, that, that's material poverty. The second type of poverty is moral poverty. Moral poverty is when you lose your moral compass, when, when you lose your conscience, when you don't know the difference between right and wrong, when you have no desire to do the right thing in life. That's moral poverty. The third kind of poverty is spiritual poverty. That's when you don't know the one true God. You don't know that you were created for a spiritual purpose. Uh, half the world is materially poor, more than half the world is spiritually poor. I mean, you can be filthy rich and be spiritually poor. It, it, it's a huge problem. In fact, it's the biggest problem that we face uh, on this planet. You know, people don't know the good news that they were created by God. They don't know that God loves them, that he has a plan and a purpose for them. They don't know that Jesus Christ came to save them from their sin. Most people go through life spiritually poor. And God says, first and foremost, I want you to share the good news with the spiritually poor. Because Jesus is the answer to, to our biggest problems. And our biggest problem is spiritual poverty. We, people have no awareness, no relationship with God. So that's the poor. What's the good news? Well, the good news is, is you're not an accident. 
God made you to love you. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And, and he didn't make anything without a purpose. God made you. Jesus Christ died for you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. So you can have a life of meaning and purpose here. And you can have a wonderful life of, of reward and enjoyment in heaven for eternity. God says, I, I want you to share that good news with people. I want you to invite somebody to come to church. Invite them to watch online. Invite them to your small group. Give them a, a, a book to read or, or share a Bible verse with them. Do something to encourage them with the good news. You know, the world is hungry for good news. As, as the bad news of the world gets worse and worse, the good news keeps getting better and better. You know, the question is, are you going to leave a spiritual legacy? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? Are the people you care about going to be in heaven because you did what Jesus Christ commanded us to do? Now, where do you start with this? Where do you start? It's a big task. Where do you start? Well, you start with someone that God has put into your life. For each one of these on, on your outline and on the app, you're, you're going to have a blank, and I want you to write the name of someone that you know who needs the good news. They don't know they're made on purpose. They, they don't know that Christ died for them. They don't know their sins can be forgiven. They don't know they can go to heaven. And write down the name of one person who hasn't begun a relationship with Christ. It may be a family member, maybe a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. And just write their name down. No, nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And the more specific you get on this, the more powerful it becomes for you. And so ask God, God, what name do you want me to write down? If you don't come up with one, if he doesn't reveal one, make that a prayer request for the week. God, who do you want it to be? And then watch for opportunities to share Christ with them. Make it a matter of prayer, a matter of purpose. Second thing Jesus came to do that he wants us to do. Jesus came to comfort the brokenhearted. You know, these are people who are weighed down with disappointment. They're defeated by discouragement or despair. You know anybody like that? Of course you do. There are hurting people all around us. And some people's hearts are broken by disappointment because their dreams have not come true. Some people are broken by rejection because love hasn't been returned and now they're lonely. Some hearts are broken by resentment. They've been wounded and they hold on to those hurts and, and it turns into bitterness and unforgiveness. You know, as a pastor, one, one thing I know for certain is everybody has a hidden wound. Everyone has a hidden wound. And, and I may not know the wound you're carrying. I, I may not know what your grief is, but God knows. God knows. And he knows what you're going through, and God cares about it. And when you are at your weakest, God will be strong, and he will give you the strength you need if you turn to him. And so think of somebody Think of somebody that you know who's hurting right now, emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally hurting. Who do you know that has a broken heart? Who do you know that is discouraged and disappointed, defeated, feels like giving up? Write their name down. We'll pray for them. And then you can watch as God provides you with the opportunity to be Christ to them, to do the ministry of Jesus Christ in their life and comfort them. So someone you need to share the good news with, someone who's going through a tough time, has a broken heart. Third thing, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus came to proclaim freedom 
for those who are imprisoned. Those who are imprisoned. And you may be thinking, I don't know anybody in prison. So let's use a different word. Have you ever had someone say to you, I feel trapped? I feel trapped in a job I can't get out of. I'm in a habit I can't break. I'm trapped by my poor health. I'm trapped by my secret sin. I'm trapped by my guilt. And there are people who feel imprisoned by their past. They feel trapped by their consequences, by their problems. You know, the number one thing that imprisons people is fear. Fear puts you in a self-imposed prison. And God says, I want you to proclaim freedom to those who are trapped by fear. Trapped by their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. How can you help people overcome their fears? Well, one of the ways uh, is to practice the presence of Christ. Uh, to remind yourself every moment of every day that Jesus Christ is with me. And, and you may not always feel the presence of Christ, but it has nothing to do with your feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's, it's about God's promise. God, God promised, Hebrews 13:5. never, circle that word, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so you practice the presence of Christ. Now, how do you do that? Well, you just keep a running conversation with him through the day. When, when you begin to talk with God all the time, you'll begin to acknowledge his presence with you every moment. And the more you're aware of his presence, thank God for good drainage. Okay. The... The more you're aware of his presence, the more your fear goes down. When God is near, you have no fear. Why? Because God is love. And the Bible says there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And so the more you feel loved by God, the less fearful you're going to be, the less you're going to struggle with worry, anxiety, and fear. That's a truth, that's a skill that you can pass on to those in your life who are afraid. And another way that you break through a fear is, is to move against it. You just move against your fear. You can't talk yourself out of fear. You can't argue your way out of fear. You, you, you can't get around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You've got to go straight through it. And uh, so how do you do that? Well, with faith. Faith is not only something you believe it's something you do and when you have faith you step out you move against the very thing that you fear the most and when you step out in faith and move against your fear faith and fear cannot live in the same heart at the same time and so as you as you exercise faith the, the fear is defeated and so do you know anybody who's trapped by fear they're trapped by an addiction, by a compulsion, by a secret habit. Write down their name, start praying for them, and then watch God give you the opportunity to lead them to freedom. It's called ministry. It's what Jesus did, and it's what he wants you to do. Fourth thing, Jesus says. He says, Jesus came to recover sight to the blind to recover sight to the blind. Now you may be thinking, there, there's no way I can give sight to any of the blind people that I know. So again, let's reframe it. Do you know anybody who can't see their way ahead? 
Do you know anybody who's just shrouded in, in a fog? You know anybody who, who feels blinded by their problems? They don't know which way to go. Well, of course you do. They're all around us. And so to recover sight to the blind means you must be willing to offer insight to those who are spiritually or relationally blind. You know, they, they don't see why their marriage is falling apart, but you can see it. They, they don't see why their career is, is struggling, but you can see it. And you can offer insight to those blind spots. Uh, blind spots. You know, some of us have bald spots. And everybody else is jealous. Okay? Some, some of us have bald spots. All of us have blind spots. We, we all have areas of our life that, that, we, that we can't see. How do you help blind people see those things in their life? You tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. That's ministry. Loving people enough to tell them the truth. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Now, my experience has been it may make you miserable for a little while at first, but it sets you free. And telling the truth, hearing the truth, can be hard to do. But it's the most loving thing you can do for another person. Most people don't love you enough to tell you the truth. You know, they see what you don't see, but they don't love you enough to tell you the truth because, because they fear they don't want to upset you. They fear your disapproval. They, 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 they don't want to intrude. I mean, how many times have you seen a friend or a loved one about to make a stupid mistake and you said nothing about it? Love cares enough to tell the truth. I love you too much to let you flush your life down the drain. I, I can't let you make that mistake without speaking up. We've got to love each other enough to say, you know, don't, don't take those drugs. Don't move in with that person. Don't buy that car you can't afford. And, and, and we will think, well, it's none of my business, but love cares enough to get involved. It's unloving to stay silent when the blind are walking into a trap. The problem is they, they may reject you. They may reject the truth. People did that when Jesus told them the truth. Okay? And so they may reject you. They may get upset about it, but it won't be because you didn't tell them. You know, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is confront someone with the truth. Truth and love. Truth in love. Grace and truth. You've got to have both of those. You know, truth without grace is mean. And Jesus doesn't want you to be mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. And so you want to speak both of those into the lives of people. Think of someone that you need to lovingly tell the truth. Maybe it's a friend you've had for years. Nobody's ever been honest enough to tell them the truth. A good question to ask yourself is, is, have you given anyone permission to speak truth into your life? Have you given anyone the permission to love you enough to tell you what you need to hear? Someone you know is, is blind to the effects of their actions. They don't see it. They don't see how they're destroying their marriage. They don't see their self-defeating behaviors. They're in a fog. And you can help recover sight to the blind by speaking the truth into their life. It's crucial. So write down a name and, and ask God to help you. God, how can I lovingly speak the truth into their life? And ask God to make you receptive to the truth that people speak into your life.
Fifth thing Jesus came to do. Jesus came to release the oppressed. God wants you to care about the people who are kicked around. He wants you to care about the people who are picked on, the put down, the victimized, people who are taken for granted. And maybe it's somebody at school or at work. They're just the butt of every joke. They're the easy target. You know, people laugh at them behind their back, maybe right to their face. The Bible says we're to release the oppressed. Who do you know that's oppressed by the opinions and, and ridicule of others? The Bible says that we need to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. And so do you know anyone who's taken advantage of? One of the most Christ-like things you can do is to show up and speak up for them. It's the heart of Christianity. Because the same type of people that were hurting 2,000 years ago, you can find the same type of people hurting today. If you want to be like Christ, we must do the things Christ did. It's what God calls us to do. It's what he made us to do. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the story of the sheep and the goats. 25 uh, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they too will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then the king will answer, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus says, there's going to come a day when I'm going to say to you, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You cared for me. I was in prison. You visited me. And the Bible says in that moment where it said, when did that happen? When did we see you hungry, thirsty, naked, in prison? And Jesus will say, when you did it, for any of the least of these, you were doing it for me. And if you didn't do it for them, then you didn't do it for me. Now please do not be confused by this passage. You interpret one passage of Scripture uh, by all the other passages of Scripture. And this passage is not saying that you are saved by your good works 
or that you are condemned to hell by your lack of good works. That would fly in the face of multitudes of other passages that make it very clear we are saved by grace, by our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by what we do. We are saved to serve. We're not saved by our service. In fact, if you notice in this story, they're already sheep and goats when they show up. The, the decision of their salvation has, has already been determined. This is a question of what, what were the good deeds that were done. It's not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of, of, of works. And this passage is saying that your works matter. They matter for eternity. And when you do it for them, you're doing it for Jesus Christ. So who do I know that is oppressed? Write down a name. Who's someone that, that can't see their way? When, when you show up and help them, you're being Jesus to them, and you're ministering not only to them, you're ministering to Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to carry on his ministry to the world around you. And the Bible calls us the body of Christ. That's what Christians are. We're the body of Christ. We're the hands, the feet, the voice of Christ to the world. The problem in our day is, is that too often Christians are known only for what they're against. And I just hope that you'll help the body of Christ become known for what it's for. We're for the poor. We're for the oppressed. We're for the people who are beaten down and bruised. Will you do what Jesus did? Will you bring the good news to the spiritually poor? Will you bring comfort to the brokenhearted person around you? Will you proclaim freedom to the person in your life who's trapped by addictions, by regrets? Will you help that person who's blinded by their problems? Will you help them see the truth? Will you release the oppressed by, by, from the things that bring them down? By representing Christ to them and speaking on their behalf. It's the ministry of Jesus, and he wants it to be your ministry too. You can do these things. You can do these things. It's what God made you to do. Let's pray together. God, as we, we look at the names that, that are written down, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to minister to people. And Lord, for the person who needs the good news, I just pray that you'll help me to share it with them. Give me the right words to say. Create the opportunity for me to say it. And God, give me the courage to take advantage of that opportunity. For the person in my life who's discouraged, help me to heal their hurts by offering love, encouragement, and being a good friend. For the person who needs freedom, they're trapped in a secret sin, they're trapped by fear, help me to care more about loving them than being concerned about what they think of me. Help me have the courage to speak the truth and give me the grace and love that I need as I speak it. For the person who's confused, they're lost, they don't know which way to go, help me to point them to Christ. Help me to point them to the Bible, which can show them the way. Help me to point them to the church that can help and guide and build them up. And finally, Lord, for the people in my life who are kicked around, put down, overlooked, unliked, made fun of, God, help me to provide love, acceptance, and relief. Jesus, when I do these things for those people, it's like I'm doing it for you. And so thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.